Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. When she graduated from college a decade ago, Julia Wise didn't have a super clear career plan. But she did know that she wanted to give a big chunk of her salary to charity. And by big, I mean half of it. I had been interested in donation for quite a while, basically since I was a kid or a teenager. She can't totally explain why. When she was a kid, she saw her grandmother give a lot of money away. So that's part of it. But what matters is she was determined to do it. I had been assuming I would kind of have separate finances from my partner or something because the amount I wanted to donate was just so different from anyone else I had met. And when I met Jeff, he sort of uh, thought it over and uh, didn't outright reject the idea, but, uh, you know, wasn't keen to adapt it immediately. Yeah, sort of, yeah, separate finances. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> That's Jeff Kaufman. Julia and Jeff have gotten married since then. But back in 2008, they were just dating. Julia was a sociology major, and Jeff had studied computer science and linguistics. After graduation, they spent a summer working at a camp. We worked at a folk dance camp. I was a cook and he was a dishwasher. Yeah. I remember him suggesting, you know, if donation is so important to you, maybe you should try and earn more money so you could donate more of it. And this was just kind of a horrifying idea to me. I remember just sitting outside thinking about what would it mean to try and earn more money. It's, it just sounded like the antithesis of what I had always thought of myself as doing. It sounded very greedy. Yeah. So needing to take a long look at that was pretty eye-opening to me and not, not in a pleasant way. From the Vox Media Podcast Network, this is Future Perfect, a podcast about effective altruism. I'm Dylan Matthews. Today, a question that a lot of people grapple with. If you have the privilege to choose a career, what career should you pick? College counselors and parents will often encourage you to find a career that lets you follow your passions or one that makes good money. But effective altruists approach the question differently. For them, it's about making the biggest possible difference in the world. Is it better to work in a field where you can help people directly by making a difference researching new vaccines, for example, or uh, working to distribute medicine in poor countries? 
Or is it better to make a whole lot of money and then give it away to charities that are better positioned to help people than you are? There isn't really a right answer, and Jeff and Julia kind of made opposite choices on this spectrum. They're going to talk us through those choices and how their thinking has actually changed over time, just as the thinking of the broader effect of altruism movement has changed. So let's pick up where we left off. Julia and Jeff work at the summer camp, and then they start exploring this new movement. We started finding the beginnings of the effective altruism movement and people who were thinking about effectiveness in careers. And that was kind of a shock to me, especially because at that point, the emphasis was really on earning to give pretty strongly, where people were saying, hey, if you want to change the world, you should be thinking about how much money you can earn and trying to find the jobs where you can earn the most. So let's dive in on that. What's an earning to give model? The idea behind earning to give is that I try and earn as much money as I can so I can donate as much money as I can to things that I think can do a good job of using that money to make the world better. For Jeff, it was actually pretty easy to make a bunch of money and then donate half of it. He had a programming background, and there's a lot of high-paying work for programmers. I applied to a job at Google and, and got a job there, and they do in fact pay more, and that has gone very well. I've been very lucky there. And for me, with a sociology major, it just it wasn't looking too good. I ended up going to social work school to become a social worker, and midway through that program sort of had this uh, kind of crisis where I, I, I wondered if I was abandoning people to a terrible fate by not earning more so that I could help them more, and really strongly believed that I was doing the wrong thing by pursuing this fairly low-earning career, that I was essentially leaving a lot of value on the table, and that that wasn't just, that wasn't dollars and cents, but really trying to think of it in terms of people's lives, thinking of it in terms of you know, if I would donate more to, say, distributing mosquito nets that protect people from malaria, that's other people's children who are dying that I could have prevented. But ultimately, I thought about the higher earning things that I might consider, and they all seemed like they were either a terrible match for my skills or I would be terribly unhappy in them. So I ended up putting my blinders on and continuing with social work school, becoming a social worker. I worked in a jail for three years doing therapy with prisoners. And I enjoyed the work. I didn't think it was terribly impactful. Julia thought it wasn't impactful because it wasn't affecting a larger number of people or making system-wide changes. And because this was very early in the effective altruism movement, when a lot of effective altruists thought that earning to give was better than the alternatives. But eventually, there was a shift. Effective altruism was realizing that we didn't just need bankers and programmers. We needed people with a, a wider variety of skills. And that's when it became clear to me that having someone with a background, say, in mental health work and community work was actually quite valuable to effective altruism as a movement. She started working at an effective altruism nonprofit in a job that does affect a large number of people. And today, she's grateful that she didn't bend to the pressure to make a lot of money. Now, it's actually Jeff who's thinking hard about his earning to give job. I think there are higher impact things that I could be doing that maybe don't involve programming at all. Some form of direct work or some form of working with organizations in the EA movement 
maybe some form of like going to a very poor country and doing work there. I think there is like quite a bit of potential for having a lot of impact that way. I know you do a lot of community work with uh, people involved in EA in Boston, and that's a lot of college students. So I'm, I'm curious what kind of advice you give them. Some of it has to do with their particular skills and interests. So if there's somebody who just loves biology or whatever, you know, I think they should go into that. Certainly, if, if, if it's a field where there is promising work to be done, then following their interest or their skills is pretty sound strategy. If their passion is playing the banjo, it's harder to see how they're going to have a lot of impact with that. And one model is the one that Jeff's done, where he did consider being a professional musician. But some, not a professional banjo player. Mandolin. Um, They're very different. But, the, you know, that there are ways to enjoy your passions without necessarily making it a full-time job. And, you know, that that may, may be the, the better route if your passion is just really not going to let you do much good in the world. But I, I'd say 80,000 hours are in a much better place to advise people on this. So I, I mostly actually just refer them to the resources that are already out there by people who have thought a lot about more of this than I have. After the break, we'll talk to someone from 80,000 Hours. It's an organization that helps people figure out how to pick careers with a big impact. They'll walk us through some options, and then we'll dig into what it really means to give away half your income. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome back to Future Perfect. Before the break, Julia mentioned an organization called 80,000 Hours. It's called that because the typical person in their career will spend about 80,000 hours on the job. 
The organization uses effective altruism principles to help people answer the question of this episode. What's the best job to give all that time to? We started 80,000 Hours because we were trying to figure out what to do with our own careers. This is Ben Todd. Back in 2011, he was making the exact same choice that Julie and Jeff were making. But instead of going to work at a summer camp and then figuring stuff out from there, he talked to his friend Will about it. We were starting to think about if where we donate our money is really important and some charities have more impact than others, working some places might have much more impact than working other places. And we realized there wasn't any existing resources on, like, can I have a greater impact in academia or should I donate money to charity? Will and Ben decided to make those resources themselves. Choosing which career does the most good is a really tough problem to tackle. So they broke it down a bit. First stage would be to choose which problems in the world you think are most pressing and the ones that you want to focus your career on. We encourage people to try and work on issues that are important, neglected and solvable. One key point there is the neglectedness. So all else equal, the more resources already going into a problem, the harder it is to make an impact. This approach of focusing your energy on areas where there aren't a lot of resources, it's not the way things are done traditionally. And it has some kind of counterintuitive implications. Yeah, one of the most popular causes in the U.S. for people who want to have a social impact is is U.S. education. But U.S. education receives something like $2 trillion of investment per year. So a bunch of government spending, a bunch of private spending. Ben says we should compare that to a cause like, say, pandemic prevention. A pandemic could wipe all of humanity out. But programs to prevent them only get about a billion dollars of funding every year. That's 2,000 times less than U.S. education. Ben tries to steer people toward that kind of neglected field. If you're having trouble with that conclusion, that's fair. And Ben isn't saying that you have to do pandemic work or that you're not allowed to be a teacher. His organization just encourages people to consider options they might not otherwise run into. And you don't have to have one specific set of skills to help, even on something like pandemics. For a cause like that, Ben says there are four main ways you can contribute. You could do the research directly, in which case you would need to have some kind of biology or public health background. You could work for a pandemic nonprofit, helping with the organization side of things. And you can help indirectly, covering the issue as a journalist or going into politics and pushing for pandemic-related policies. And, you know, we also mentioned earlier earning to give some job that's like a bit higher earning than what you would have taken otherwise and, and then donate to, to charities working on this issue. 80,000 Hours also tries to figure out which of those options is best. And they've talked to a lot of researchers and experts in some of the fields that they're most interested in. Pandemic prevention, malaria treatment, nuclear security, climate change. And they ask them, would you rather have people earn money and donate it to your cause or get involved directly, doing research or work on the ground. Most people actually choose the person working directly in the field, say, at a nonprofit or, or doing research or something like that. But whatever decision you make, you can also reevaluate over time. I tend to do a kind of annual review of my life once a year in January, where I set aside a couple of days and try and like think about the big picture. And one question I ask myself is, is should I change job? He's pretty confident that his current job is the best way to have an impact, at least for now. 
He hopes a lot of people find more impactful jobs for themselves, which has a kind of exponential effect. And he enjoys his job, which is important just generally for having a fulfilling life. But it's also important for a social impact point of view because you're going to be more likely to burn out. I think that's a lesson learned as this movement has gotten older. The things you try to force yourself into at age 22 might not be as sustainable over the years. That's Julia Wise again. It's worth both trying to harness some of the vigor of 22-year-olds, but also being realistic about what you will stick to as a plan and not forcing yourself into plans that you will invest a lot into, but maybe not reap the rewards of because you burn out. That's true for picking a career, and it's true for trying to donate a lot of money. Jeff's job generates a lot more money than Julia's right now, but they both still give away half their pre-tax income to charity. Early on, they spent a lot of time and energy trying not to waste money that they could be giving away. Like, to the point where they'd be standing in the grocery store debating whether or not to buy a brand of salt that was 15 cents cheaper. We did pretty quickly realize that this was the stupidest argument ever. Yes, not, not, not a very good use of time. Though, like, 15 cents per thing of salt over decades might, might be, a, like, a few dollars. But yeah, not a high priority. You want to look at this through the lens of how do you have the most impact over the course of your lifetime? And people in their early 20s are really zealous in a lot of ways, usually. And one of the ways that I was zealous and a lot of other people try to be zealous is just, like, working as much as possible or trying to do as little cushiness for yourself as possible or something something like that. And I'm not even sure that it's very impactful. It might be more like a proving to yourself in the world like how hardcore you are, which again is something that people really love to do when they're 22. At one point I was hoarding my vacation days so I could cash them in and donate the money and my friend who had, had been through some of this said, Julia, this is crazy. Stop, take the vacation days. Having a life that you enjoy and that's sustainable for you is way more worthwhile than the cash you would get for the vacation days if never having a break damages your ability to keep going with this and to find it doable over the long term. In some ways, it has gotten easier. They now make a lot more money than they used to. To be specific, they earn about $300,000 a year. They give half away, but that's still $150,000 left to live on. It's not a small yearly income. To some extent, we are maybe more frugal than, I don't know, my peer group at work. But I don't think at this point we are more frugal than, like, the average American. Oh, yeah, certainly we are spending more than the typical American family. But there are still pressures. There are nice things, and it would be nice to have more of them sort of pressure. I, I, I've, I've sort of felt the sort of inwards pull getting stronger for years of, like, building a place for myself and my family to live that feels, like, right, and there's, like, sort of some sort of nesting impulse I feel. But I also think that, like, it's important for me to resist that and to continue recognizing that other people elsewhere matter, and their lives are not going nearly as well as mine, and I should be trying to help. And also a lot of our friends themselves are interested in effective altruism, and having support from other people who share your values is just also pretty key to long-term motivation. Part of the reason that I've been so happy about the growth of effective altruism as a community is that 
It felt very isolated at first when we were doing this on our own and being part of a network of other people who share the same values and are trying to do the same thing feels so much better. I mean, I don't know how well we would have done had we not had the support of a community. The problem of career choice is one of those good problems to have. If you weren't privileged enough to grow up in a rich country or in a rich family in a rich country, you're much less likely to be in a position to choose which career path to take. But for the lucky few of us who do get to choose, this can be a really hard question. It's one that I personally fret about a lot. I don't do yearly check-ins like Ben Todd. My contemplation tends to instead take the form of anarchic panic spirals. One reason I like doing this podcast is it lets me highlight people who I think are making a difference, and highlighting them might encourage some of you listening to try to make a difference too. But I'm going to keep asking whether or not I could do more. And if you're in a position where you have a lot of options for what to do in life, I hope you'll join me and Ben and Julia and Jeff and ask that question too. This is the season finale of Future Perfect. So, one last time, I wanted to thank our wonderfully talented producer, Bird Pinkerton, and our editor, Amy Drozdowska. We got a lot of help from Jillian Weinberger, and our engineer was Jarrett Floyd. Our music was by Chris Zabriskie, Blue Dot Sessions, and Poddington Bear. Future Perfect is made possible through a grant from the Rockefeller Foundation. To read more of our reporting on effective altruism, check out fox.com slash futureperfect. Support for this episode has come from eBay. You know real when you feel it. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you don't have to wonder. You know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic. Maybe it's a designer handbag, sneakers that pop, jewelry that shines as bright as you do. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 